0: Stan Granger, thank you for taking the time. You know, we're speaking offline. It's been, you know, about five years, I think, since we had uh, sat down and had a conversation, and it's awesome to to kind of do this again on uh, a, a different capacity, and uh, feels kind of full circle for me. So, um, uh, first, I want to start off with, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Well, I I want to say thank you because, you know, your um, your your our previous meeting really led to a lot of questions around family and different things. Uh, it really sparked a lot of interest um, in regards to raising kids. So that was very helpful for our community, I guess, that uh, people got out. But um, you know, since then, you know, uh, you keep raising kids and keep doing things. And, and so I'm excited when I heard you doing this. I was all excited about it. And um, I think you're you bringing a valuable piece to our, our industry, the sports industry, and, and parenting and stuff. So I'm excited to see this go.
0: Thank you. And on that first meeting, I guess just to give everyone some some background, some context, I had a, a project for my Michigan State journalism class, um, and I decided to center it around Rocky, Rocky Shaft, the community um, he's built, and the community that um, you know he kind of nurtured around him for so many years. And I wanted to to dive deep into that and see, kind of see for myself what it was uh, that that was working. So I. You know, you, you graciously, you know, Rocky and yourself allowed me to step into the wrestling room for a few days. Then, uh, you know, I interviewed you and your two sons, Kyle and Ryan. And um, I, I remember talking to you at first. I, I think there was some hesitation maybe to let me in the room, uh, which which I completely understand because I think, you know, this day and age, there's, uh, you know, media has gotten, um, you know, tricky. And so I remember there was uh, maybe some hesitation, and you uh, eventually, you know, you let me in the room, and and I think it led to something something great. So I do have to say thank you, and that's how we met. And you were at the time where the assistant coach at Holt.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 skepticism, like you were talking about, like why are, why are we being interviewed? What is the true motive? Um, which which goes into sports sometimes. I think that's people have to question why people are interested because there's always an alternative and and, and uh you know it took us a minute and just like any other coach, what you know, really is this guy sincere or not? And um, you know, or is, you know, we we've we've had some bad experiences with people coming in from the media and telling us they're gonna do one thing and turn around and do something completely different. Um and we're we're all supportive of it but, you know, we're just not about tell us one thing and then do something else, which created some havoc for us. So so but you, you came in, you did a great job, and you stuck to your word, which was absolutely phenomenal for us.
0: Yeah, it was it was awesome, and um, you know I'm sure the past uh, 27 months have been been a uh, been a lot for you. You know, taking over the program after uh, Rocky Shaft's passing. You know, May he rest in peace. Uh, it was awesome to get to know him during my my few days there. I mean, he welcomed me. Like I said, you guys had welcomed yeah. me with open arms, but. Um, what have the past 27 months been for you? Uh, you Taking over the program at Holt and, uh, you know, doing all things that I'm sure that you know, all the responsibilities that that are required of a head coach, I'm sure aren't easy. You kind of took that on maybe kind of all of a sudden. So how have the past 27 months been for you?
1: Wow. Um, I, I guess I, I can say life changing. I mean, honestly, um, you know, we, you know, you never know where your life is going to go and what you know you have a vision of where you want to go um, I honestly um, I never had a vision of being a head coach that was kind of never on my plans it was like I was content with being an assistant coach and, and doing the behind-the-scenes stuff and um, I had always kind of envisioned you know um, me and Rocky walking out together um, and you know unfortunately things changed and you know I, I was kind of forced to make some decisions do I do I walk away, um, or do I get through a year, or do I get through a couple years, or what, what's, what do I want to do, right? Um, and so, you know, I think kind of goes back to our conversation that we had was, you know, it's a tradition, um, you know, I'm embedded in that, in that tradition. Um, I've been part of it from the front end, part of it as a coach, as a parent, as an alumni, and so for me, just to kind of just say I, I'm done, I just didn't fit well with me as a person. You know, morally it was a struggle, um, but it was also a struggle going. If I'm going to do this, there's going to be things that I'm I'm going to have to deal with some emotional roller coasters, right? Some things that I've been doing for 28 years with Rocky. He we were yin and yang, and he, you know what he didn't do, I did, and we knew each other really well and took care of things. Um, So I was starting all over again essentially in a lot of ways um, for me as an individual and and trying to figure out who fills those voids, right? Is it it me or do I give that to somebody else? So a lot of a roller coaster, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, you find out really how much your community trusts you. Um, uh, You know, I I know I've had a lot of support over the years, but um, when this all happened you know, um, people were extremely respectful and we worked through the grief process and things like that. Um, But then it did come a time where you have to make a decision, right? Um, And and people knew that was coming and and, uh, I I had a lot of messages, a lot of text messages, a lot of alumni, um, a lot of people in the community, people I didn't even know, were like, you know, we really hope you do this because we know you can keep this program going and this process and this tradition, um, and so you know all of a sudden I'm I'm I have this big pressure of, you know these all these people are looking for me to do this, and, and so I you know I had to kind of shake it off and go you know I, I guess this is this is my calling this is the direction I'm going, you know I guess you don't be in a consistent coach for 28 years and then, you know, the situation arises and you know I have experience so it wasn't a question about being around and knowing coaches and knowing programs and knowing techniques and knowing how to run programs. I've I've done all that, not only just as an assistant coach, but, you know, being an assistant, I was able to do national team stuff and travel with USA Wrestling and some of the other bigger organizations and national stuff. So I have those perspectives. And and so it was really, it was enlightening for me. And then, you know, as I'm, as this unfolds, I'm, I'm panicking, like, am I going to do all the paperwork right? Am I going to do things Right. You know, and, and uh, the ironic thing is, I think over the years, Rocky just slowly started giving me more. I think he had a vision of me taking over, I guess. Um, and we, he and I would bicker, and I would be like, I'm not. We're going to walk out together in the sunset. We're going to leave it with good people. I'm I'm, I'm getting older, too. Um, but, uh, you know, he got his way in the end. <laughs> I guess I look at it like that. Um, you know, he's a, he's a pretty determined individual. And, you know, when he has his mindset, he makes things work. Um, And so here I am, you know, um, 27 months into it, um, I have had a tremendous amount of support from uh, alumni, community members. Um, uh, For me, it was extremely overwhelming, almost too much to the point where I felt like I had to put the brakes on everybody because people were just willing to do whatever, and and I didn't have enough to give around, right? Um, You know, you, you know you have things you have to do. But I have to learn them as well as a head coach. But you know, and then people were coming like, "What do you want me to do?" I'm like, "I don't have anything. Like, you know, anything I have to do now, I really just have to learn it." Um, so it was huge. Um, but a great community stepped up. Um, you know, the the assistant coaches that were around us, and um, you know, I, I just can't speak enough. I mean, like, I just think of all those little things. Like, I had to give up my role, right? as an assistant coach, I knew my kind of niche, I knew what I was working with, I was doing strength, I was doing conditioning and working techniques, and and now in one year without a plan, I have to hand over that to other guys, which I've coached, which came to the program, who understand everything, and so, and now I have to kind of separate and look at the administrative end, and and uh, so it's been quite the transition, you know, when you don't plan on it and it happens. That's, it's been awesome, though. I, I can't complain about anything. The guys have all picked it up. And, and you know, I, I, I guess what I really found out over the years is, that, you know, you work with athletes and you don't think anything of it. You go to practice every day. You help them out, become better and da-da-da-da. And but, you know, I, I found that, and I didn't realize I was doing this, but I really found out how much of a significant part of the culture that I am. And the impacts that I made on some of the younger coaches um who wrestled under us, right, uh, who came back to help and and I knew I was part of their 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 experience and their journey, but I didn't realize how much I impacted their lifestyle. Does that make sense? I mean, you know you know we're there, we're training, you're, you know they're dealing with things, and we're helping them through, but you know it's it's just like a conversation between you and me right now. You don't think anything of it. you know here we are five years later. Speaking about our experience and going, man, that really pivoted my life, right? Um, that was a kind of a cornerstone and where I, it helped me guide me to where I wanted to go, and and so I've I've felt that in the last couple of years, I've gotten that feedback from people, um, so it's been really powerful, um, you know. And you know, Rocky's always been a prankster, um, and you know, one of our experiences in the last two years is um, like overnight. Um, I, you know, One year, I'm starting out. We're getting things figured out. I got the boys team all going. The next year, I have 14 girls show up and say, we're ready to wrestle. And I'm like, uh, I was thinking maybe one or two, but not 14. So, you know, I always laugh because those are the kind of pranks that Rocky would do with us. He'd just give us the unexpected stuff. And, you know, he, here, you're going to go do this varsity tournament. When I was starting out, I'm like, ah, that's a lot of responsibility. I don't know if I can handle it. But you're going to do it. I'm like, okay, so, you know, it, the journey's been very significant, uh, a hard learning curve on 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 the business end, you know, trying to make sure the fundraising's done. It's just been a big business, a big journey, the business piece of it I, I knew about, but I never wanted to be part of, because I just wanted to focus with families and kids, and and so now I'm on that end of it, dealing with the, the politics and the business end and the parents, and which isn't bad, it's not bad at all. Yeah, so that's kinda of my journey, man. So
0: You know, when I think of, of all the things that, that have fallen on your plate, um, I almost think of I don't know if I know anyone that's as prepared to deal with that as, as Stan Granger. Um <laughs> and that just it kinda of goes back to our, our conversation and just kinda of seeing, you know, I'm uh you know a part of the, the whole, you know, wrestling group on, on Facebook and I see I do see some of the support, at least uh, on the social media side of it. I see support. I see people volunteering to do stuff, um, you kind know, you know, fundraising, stuff like that. And and that's something that I, you know, I've kind of seen over the years, and now it's, it kind of makes sense. I think it's because, uh, one, because of the, the passion that people carry for Holt Wrestling, but also the, the commitment they have to, to you and the investment you put into, you know, sons and daughters uh, on the wrestling team. So I, I see some of these personality traits, and... And I I wanna know where they kinda started to, to develop. So if you can turn back the clock and and think of a a few personality traits and where did they start? Like why is Stan Granger you know, I know a lot of these things are kind of new experiences for you, you know, like paperwork, fundraising, I'm sure that stuff is is newer and never gets any easier. But what makes you so Qualified to do that at least on the, the personality trait side, like when did that start and you know who is uh, when did the Stan Granger of today really start? how did these things start to culminate into who he is today?
1: Wow, um, you know I, I think wow, that's a big question. Um, you know and I guess a I'll say uh, part of the part of my personality is that I try to stay humble. I'm not, I'm not a person to go out and brag about, I've done this and done that. I'll share my experiences, but um, I think I've always, as a person, I, you know, I, I want to learn from people. So for me, I listen, right? Um, I don't walk into a crowd and go, hey, this is who I am. These are all the things I've wanted. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Um, I, I really do, when I meet people, I'm intrigued about who they are and what they're about, what their journey's been, what they've been through. I'm always wanting to learn from other people. Um, so, probably it, it's been a huge asset in a lot of ways. Uh, some people have, have told me that my being that way, I, people don't get to know me as as easy, right? Because I'm not out bragging about, you know, I'm just finding out now. I got some kids that, you know, I wrestled in Barcelona at the World Police and Fire Games. Nobody ever, you know, there's a portion of my community didn't know that, right? Um, but I don't go around bragging about it. I, I just, I, my focus is on what's on here and now. And learning from other people so I think sometimes those things um, that humbleness has been a big piece of my puzzle um, over the years uh, you know growing up um, you know I, I was kind of uh, I, I had a lot of energy and uh, when I you know in elementary school I, you know I I, I kind of enjoyed getting in fights I won't lie <laughs> It, you know, we had, we played football and I was the one that tackling people, but I also, you know, if somebody was picking on somebody or somebody was just doing something that I didn't think was right, I wasn't afraid to step up and go, hmm, not happening. Um, so over the years, you know, I've had, you know, my mom started seeing like, you know, I'm starting to struggle in elementary school and she's like, you gotta get something like, cause, cause this isn't going to work. Right. Um, so they, she connected with some community people. They said, Hey, he, he needs to wrestle and I'm like I don't know what it is I don't care what it is and then they took me up to this room with padding and said you can do whatever you want here and you're not going to get in trouble and I was like really (laughs) okay you know I'm like wow so I didn't have no problems reporting to that you know um but you know those were the people that kind of defined my life I mean I had great relatives and people like that but you know when when I'm in the community you know my community kind of molded me a lot of ways they held me accountable people that you know, I would do things thinking, you know, as a high school kid, you don't realize that there are other people out there watching. I had some coaches and some alumni grab me a few times and go, hey, don't be a knucklehead, you're being stupid. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. And they're like, well, you're going to find out who I am. And and shared their experiences. So, you know, I was on that path of I could have went one way or the other, right? Um, but, you know, in the wrestling community, you know, I hear it at least. And I, I think it's all over the United States. I think that's why wrestling is such a strong sport is that people care about helping each other out. We know it's tough, right? We know people are going through tough times and we know, you know, but, um you know, I had people grab me. I had people, you know, hold me accountable in the wrestling room. I had people hold me accountable in the school. It just seemed like everywhere I turned around, I was bumping into somebody to kind of guide my path, right? And so, um you know you learn those things uh, you know I, I remember you know I, I one of my I one of our first coaches Gary Smith Rocky's coach was a principal and I didn't know who he was I had no clue I was you know and me and this other kid squared off in the middle of the gym floor like we're gonna knock each other out um, and next thing I know this guy's got me up off the ground and going this is not gonna happen in my in my gym dah, dah, dah. I don't know who this guy is but he scared the daylights out of me and You know, we got a chance to figure that out, and then he was always kind of at my side, making sure that I wasn't going that way. And and Coach Smith still to this day, even even when all this happened with Rocky, and you know, okay, Stan, here's what you got to do. Here's here's what you need help with. Where you know he was a coach forever, and you know, graduate of Michigan State, so you know he's got some some depth in our community, and really has been every time we have something go on, he's always part of what's going on. Right? He cares, and so. You know, even as an adult now, he cares. You know, it's not like, hey, i worked with Stan forever. I'm not going to work with him again. I could call that man right now and say, Gary, I'm dealing with this, and, and it's instantly we're sitting down talking about this. Um, so our community, you know, it, it parents molded me. I, You know, I, I, you know, I wasn't going to go to college. I was like, I don't know what college is. I didn't have a clue what college was. I just heard people talk about it. Um, we had another gentleman in our community that, you know, Pulled me aside and spent a lot of time with me, working one-on-one. Uh, Larry Powell was a wonderful man, and um, you know, no commitment to me whatsoever. He um, just saw that I had opportunities, and I didn't believe in myself, but he kept constantly telling me, you know, work with me. You know, working with me on the mat. But then also part of his process is it was academic piece. So you learn about the sport, but you also learn the academic end of the sport. You know every time I'd show up, I'd get a printout. here's what we worked out last time. Here's what we're going to work on this time. So he really put the academics and the wrestling together for me because before it was like I go to class and I go to wrestle, there was no connection. none, right? you know you just I'm going to go beat people up and I'm going to go sit in class and, and hope I pass classes. <laughs> That's where I was at. Larry brought that together for me, and really demonstrated how those two things tie together and how you can be successful by by intertwining them together and then you know he you know we talked about college and encouraged me to to at least apply and and focus on schools and different things and and so I did it, and uh you know through his persistence and and you know I've had some other people as well, but I just didn't know what I was doing I really didn't and um and, you know, my family, they, you know, they just didn't understand the whole the whole college process and how it all works. So um, Larry sat me down. We went through things, spent lots of hours tutoring, um, got me to college. You know, it got me into Central. I, you know, uh, I was completely dumbfounded that I got into Central Michigan. Um, but I did um, by filling out paperwork. Cause, and I think for me, the thing that I learned once I got to college was that I was a lot smarter than I thought I was. Does that make sense? So when I was in high school, I just assumed I was just kind of the dumb jock kind of guy, the dumb guy in the back of the room that could beat people up. And, you know, I was doing my grade work and taking care of classes, but I wasn't that 4.0 student, so I never felt like I was that successful. But then I went to college, and then I started being around people who, who were at my level, below my level, and above my level. And I realized at that point that I am, I have potential. Um, and and it's just a matter of continuing to work hard like I was, working with Larry and Coach Smith and, and several other people in my community that, that, that did things for me, but it, they pushed me to believe in myself, right? And if you don't believe in yourself, you don't motivate and take care of yourself. So if it's academic, if it's career-wise, if it's you know even just personal hygiene-wise, you have to take care of yourself. Um, and I think that opened the doors to the college piece of it and then, when I got there, it really forced me you know I was on the wrestling team coach minko coach rap um <coughs> for phenomenal guys they they you know coach minko was was very driven, and here's the direction he was the head coach um here's the direction here's the path and and we're all gonna grind it out together. And you know, as an athlete, you go up and down, and and emotionally, you're on it one day, and the next day you're not. Next day, you're beat up, you're broken. Um, Coach Rapp, the assistant coach, you know, he always made us fun. He always, you know, you know, was always making a smile, even though we were sweating. And he'd make a comment, and it would just be enough to break the intensity a little bit, so you could grind it out for another half hour or whatever. Or or he would be, you'd be cussing and swearing and frustrated, having a bad moment. He'd come over, crack a joke, you know we always laughed he would get on us and twist us around because you know he was just so strong and, and so he wouldn't hold on to us until we laughed I mean like you weren't done wrestling until we start laughing um, so you know he, those guys all brought out that those perspectives of me of like A you know it's going to be tough B we make it fun when it's tough right because you know if you're going in and it's getting tough and you're talking to yourself this is tough and this is miserable and terrible you're going to burn yourself down they taught me, and, you know, my my grandfather was a farmer, so, you know, you, you learn, you know, um, I went high school, I was working for a farmer, um, <coughs> you learn that, you know, even during the tough times, you can have fun, and, and so, you know, those are some of the people that really influenced me through my life, and, and you know, I got out of college, um, I learned to make tough decisions, um. I learned that there's never a perfect path I think I stressed tremendously in college about trying to be perfect trying to do all the right things without having any failure I lost a lot of sleep over it because you know you train as an athlete be perfect be perfect <coughs> in classroom be perfect but reality is this perfect person is somebody who's failed a lot and I had to learn that um, even if you told me that I didn't listen to you um, I, I really had to learn that failure was okay um, I really beat myself up emotionally in college about missing a grade or or having issues at practice or or not feeling like i 'm being successful like I should be um, sometimes and I think that 's where I learned to just allow my efforts to lay lay the path and i and I should back up a little bit. Um, Rocky, obviously my high school coach, you know, I kinda missed that piece of you know, coming into high school, he was he was that strong firm. I was scared to death of him. Um, I know I shared this last time, but you know, you know, I talked about Coach Smith and Coach Powell, um, uh and and working on some of the local farms. You know, my grandfather was a farmer. Um, so I learned through all those, even like Rocky would share stories and, you know, hey, we played football. They broke my, you know, my finger was dislocated. I'd pull it back out, tape it up, and, you know, finish the game. And so you, you hear those stories, and you're like, well, if they can do it. And I was that kid. If they can do it, I can do it. Um, so, you know, those are, I listened, right? I heard what people were saying. I didn't always believe what people were saying. I think that was my my struggle growing up was I'd listen to people, but then I I made my personal choices on who i was going to listen to and what bits and pieces, right? Probably not always the best <laughs> uh of of bits and pieces and lost, you know, i you know there's some some things there people, you know, just like any other kid, you know, hey, you're going to run into this. Hmm, that's okay, i'll see when it happens. Um and so, you know, but you know, the moral of that was that all these people from our community influenced me. Um and and they weren't just wrestling coaches, right? There were some teachers, there were some people who just knew my parents who you know when they'd see me out on the edge kind of pushing the envelope they'd pull me aside and go uh uh-uh, uh, I know your mom I know your dad they're not gonna accept that right um, so I, I was uh, fortunate in that piece and and they got me to college so long story short after college you know I you know I was kind of a lost soul I'd worked out my whole life I'd wrestled my whole life and you know I had to come to that that decision of when is, when's the time for my sport to stop? Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I went through some really difficult times making a decision. Um, I hung on as long as I could. And then finally, you know, um, decided that I had to stop wrestling and really focus on my grades. And it wasn't that my grades were doing bad, but I wasn't enjoying. And I, I knew I wasn't able to do what was expected. Right. I knew, you know, I, during my time at Central, we moved from Coach Minko, moved to Michigan State. Coach Borelli came in, um, really gave some real specific directions, had had very, very hard expectations, which were awesome. I loved it. I mean, like, okay, now I, you know, uh, Coach Minko was a grinder. Like, you're just going to wrestle for hours on end. And, and for me as an individual, I kind of had to have a map. Um, I learned a lot from Coach Minko. Um, but when Coach Borelli came in and said, hey, look, every – Every quarter you have to progress and your push know, ups and your sit ups and, and everything. And so that gave me some math, right, to follow as an athlete. So I started following that. And then I realized through that process that I was kind of stuck. Like, as an athlete, I think I reached my maximum potential, right, with what I had to deal with. So I had to make that very difficult decision going, is it good for me to be here? Am I taking up somebody else's spot? Is it good for the team? Um, and so I ultimately decided that you know it was time to move on, um, cashed it in on the on the wrestling, and and you know, worked in my last year or two in college, um, got my degree, um, which you know it was an interesting story about that. When I was young, somebody told me um, uh, I had a teacher just kind of was very apparently they were having a bad day, but just told me I was an idiot, and that I'd never amount to anything. And that's never left my head, right? That's never left my head. I remember that. And some people say, we well, should never say that to a kid. Um, I wasn't happy about that, but that comment has stuck in my head. And so whenever I get into difficult situations, kind of like what we talked about with Rockies taking over this position, I always resort back to, I was told I couldn't do it, but I've done a lot of things in my life. And I was told I'd never make it to college. I was told I wouldn't be able to wrestle in college. And so when people tell me those, those are like seeds of fire, right? That That's the stuff that just, when I'm struggling, I'm like, no, I'm going to prove that person wrong. So my personality growing up was uh, kind of prove people wrong, right? Um, I, I'd listen to what people have to say, but I always kind of wanted to challenge their, their mindset or what their thoughts were. Um, so when I ever got challenged by somebody like that, and, and I think that, that those comments that stuck in my head. They haven't left. They're still there. They're in the back of my head. They're ingrained. It's like a tattoo in the back of my brain. Um, so whenever I get into situations where it's really tough, I always think back that, you know, I was told that, you know, that person told me I'd never make it to college. I'd never amount to anything. I'd be in trouble, all these things. But I kind of fought that that stereotype, and I'm on the other end of it. And I think that has been a, a really mainstay in my brain when I'm working with people. When I'm working with, you know, when, when you and I met, I, I didn't know you, I you know. But, you know, I had to give people chances,
0: right? So you have alluded to it, I I think, in um, kind of your early days and and both, you know, in the interview we had previously about Rocky, you'd alluded to being kind of a hothead when you were younger. I want to know, um, oftentimes, I think sometimes our, maybe our dark side or some of the things that that could be um, negatives also are kind of driving forces. So I think of myself and I think of, I'm pretty intentional. I think I'm I'm pretty stern and and when I when I speak, I think you know sometimes someone's like hey, why are you mad or why are you, you know, why are you so serious? I, I'm just super intentional and that's kind of how how I've always gone about things and, and I don't really know how to change that. I think, you know, through 27 years I'm intentional. I'm um very confident in what I'm going to say. So, I guess that could be maybe a maybe a downside, but you know, in terms of, of being a hothead and, and a self-proclaimed hothead, how has that maybe hurt you but maybe even helped you in ways? That maybe it's, you know, you speak spoken to kind of those words of discouragement from your from your teacher and, I don't know, maybe, you know, kind of rattled you a little bit. Maybe you kind of got, a, you know, frustrated and then turned that into a positive. So what is being a hothead kind of maybe helped you, hurt you?
1: Um... Well, you know the the reality of being a hothead is that you you've heard something that's bothered you, right? You 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 somebody said something, somebody's done something that that that's like, you know, you're like that's not cool. Like that makes me very mad, right? It's it's triggered something within you, a comment, you know, um, you know, uh, any something. So the the trigger is is that something hurt you somehow emotionally, right? Really, that's what it comes down to. That teacher said that 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 stuck. Like I was like, oh, like I was getting ready to stand up and start swinging. Like I was like, that's not gonna happen. You're not gonna talk to me like that. That's disrespectful. That's rude. You know, that was my ego when I was a kid, right? I always talk about ego. Ego's huge. Like that's the thing that I always tell um, my staff at work and and even in the wrestling room. Ego is is the one thing that can really make life miserable for you, but it also can get you places where you wouldn't normally be able to get to okay so the ego thing is is really what I've learned over the years to deal with and how to respond like you mentioned you know you're pretty direct you know you know what you're thinking you're not afraid to say it I'm the same way like I'm gonna say where I'm at I'm not and it's not me trying to be mean to you it's not me trying to be nasty to you it's just like here's the facts I'm reading them um, I think you know you mentioned this and, and as you were saying this I'm like oh man when I first started working in the industry that I work in I really had to figure that out because people were like oh you're brash you're rude you're short and you know and I was like uh, that's all I know right as as a, you know athlete you learn okay here's the next step here's where we're going this is where we're moving right we're not waiting around Coach isn't gonna give me fluff. Coach is gonna call it the way it is. I have to make the adjustments on the fly. I have to figure this out. And so, for me, um, I you know I, I had to learn to 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 tone it back a little bit. And it wasn't a toning back like change my personality, but just slow down, right? I had to slow down a little bit um, because I was you know people would be talking and I'd be like I already have an answer, so I'm just gonna give it to you as soon as you're done talking, right? And So they're like dang. You just fired back at me. I'm like why do you have an answer? Like I already know what my thoughts are on this. This is my opinion and they'll be like wow You're just like like this is you like you're just gonna be mean and, and direct. I'm like well I'll talk about it, but Here so I always kind of talked about his diarrhea of the mouth I would just start saying things before I should really just sit back be patient Let everybody get everything out and then you know, so I've, that's been a huge learning curve, um, and it really started as as more as a parent, more as a parent. You know, you're in a relationship, you have to slow down and hear everybody. You know, um, and uh, you know as a you know when, when you're raising kids, you want to do the right thing. That's an athlete in me. Again, we're gonna do it right. And what are the steps as a parent that I have to work through? Um, as a you know, my coaching. And was never my passion that was a side that was a that was a fun thing to do so when people ask me like what got you into coaching what got me into coaching was I, I just it was some my experience I could share it with people that was really all it was it wasn't like you're gonna I want to be a head coach and I want to be this national coach I want to do all these things that was never it was the enjoyment of the sport and sharing it with a young person who wanted to have that experience bringing everything back that was given to me because really ultimately that's what it was for me I didn't know anything about varsity wrestling when I was in high school until I got there you know I didn't know anything about a state championship I I remember as a freshman they're like hey we're going to state championship I'm like what's that you know they're like you want to go it's just down the road I'm like I don't even know what the state championship is like I just remember that conversation and they're all looking at me like are you crazy I'm like I don't know what it is because I come here to wrestle. I, I You know, you're going to take me to a tournament. I'm going to wrestle in the tournament, and then I'm going to go home. So, you know, I I, I learned those things, but um, I guess where I was going with that was that, um, you know, the coaching piece has been, aside, just a fun thing to do. It grew, right, into a monster. But being, being a parent, raising kids, I really had... I really want to do a great job, right? I mean, I wanted to have the most successful kids that I could have. Um, And so, you know, you read and, you know, I I learned to read in college. I I refused to read in high school and then I learned I had to, you know. So those are things that, you know, got to me, the college got me to the next level. Um, But, you know, raising kids was a huge fear of mine. Like, I'm gonna screw this all up. So every time I could find a book or see something or pay attention, I wanted to, you know, the athlete in me came out like, okay, I got to be prepared, right? Um, so as, as I'm being prepared, one of the things that was constantly consistent across the board was patience, right? Patience as a parent. You have to slow down, allow them to do things, um, which, you know, I worked on that skill then, and then that trickled over into my employment, into everything else that I kind of became... Like your question was who were how did Stan get here? These are the things that changed me. Like um, I wasn't mean and nasty to people, but I, I was just a goer. Like I wanted to go. Like I, I didn't have time to sit around and have fluffy conversations and you know, I, I was more like there's a football game going on. I'm not talking about it. I'm either in it or I'm doing something else. Like that was just that was kinda of where I was. Like I couldn't sit and watch. I couldn't talk about it. I just wanted to do stuff. Um, so as a parent that's where I really I think I put my brakes on and had to back up and go, Okay, I gotta I gotta have fun times with my kids, right? You got you you can't be all serious and focused on doing things. So that's kinda how part of where I came from with the humbleness, um, and and learning for people, right? So so yeah, I I don't know if I got to the core of your question no, or I mean- if I
0: you, you definitely know. did. And on that point, I think you're, you're a hundred percent right. That's how I would describe you, I think, as well as a goer, you know, and yeah. I think when we talk, I mean, there's almost no, there's very little small talk and we just kind of get into it. Like our conversations <laughs> are, are pretty in depth. And that's also speaking to your ability to storytell. I mean, I, you know, that's another reason why i wanted you on is because you, you describe so many, so many things just you know, very in depth, and uh, you know, like I said, you know, we just get into it. You know, our conversations just go; they just flow. So, um, yeah, describing yourself as a goer is is the best way I think I would put it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, a goer that's learned to be patient at times, right? At times, and so uh, you know, those are things that um, you know. As I you 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 know, you threw some of those questions at me earlier, and I kind of my brain goes. 10,000 different directions, but you know, I, I think I always looked at life as a, like climbing a rock a mountain, rock climber kind of person every time I grab something I can't guarantee that that rock's stable I don't know if I'm going to have a good grip on it there are other ones I'll step or grab that are very solid and I'm like, alright, I got this step but I'm worried about this over here that's kind of life, you know and, and one of the things that you're going to fall, right, I've learned that's another thing that I've learned tremendously is you're going to fall there's no way around it. It's going to be ugly. Something's going to happen. Um, out of your control. Um, and, and so, you know, the big thing is, is I go to bed every night knowing that I made good decisions with what I had. Um, because that was always the other fear when I was younger. Like, oh, I'm making all these. I learned in college, really. Because I was scared. I was scared like I'm, I'm failing. Like I'm not doing things right. I went into a real hole of um, I'm, I'm just not worth being here. But then... You know, I I had some failures, I tried to get into some places, I was gonna quit college, but I couldn't even get a job outside of college. So like, here I am going, college is not my cup of tea, I'm gonna try to get a job, and I'm getting rejected with two years of college and experience, but I can't even get a job. So it brought me back to, well, finish what you started, right, Um, uh, even though I was looking for the easy way out, I got forced to do the, the thing.
0: How has your relationship with failure progressed? That you know you had brought it up back in your your college days and and fast forwarding to now and everything in between. You know we can look at at failure in multiple ways, right? You, you know a blessing, a curse, maybe some middle ground there. How has your relationship with failure changed? And that you know, the whole wrestling hasn't seen a ton of failures, so that might be a maybe not a oh, question it's been for you.
1: There's a lot. You, it's but,
0: been a lot. At least not on the not on the outside. Looking in doesn't look like there's a ton there. But you know, I think my relationship with failure has changed. Um, you know, obviously no one wants to, no one wants to lose, no one wants to fail. But just kind of embracing what it what it means. Um, just kind of that rock reference, right? I mean, if something doesn't work, you're gonna move on to a different rock, right? I mean, so I, I guess that's what failure teaches you. But how has your relationship with failure developed over the years?
1: Oh, I used to fight failure. It was a person like that was that was my my punching bag like i if i if it roared its head i was fighting it every which way i didn't embrace it at all like failure was was you know i guess it goes back to when i was in elementary school failure was the kid i was going to fight on the kindergarten ground like i on the playground excuse me i was going to fight that and i was going to fight it with all my might and then you know Okay, in the process of learning how to fight failure, you realize you don't fight it; you embrace it. It helps you become better. Um, but I, it took me a very long time to learn that piece, um, and and I know had I learned that in college with my, some of the sport stuff, I would have I would have had a whole different perspective on on where I was at. Right, I burnt myself out. I'm focused on fighting failure and trying to beat failure instead of Embracing failure and trying to learn from failure. Um, I learned that after, and, and again, it goes back as crazy as it sounds. Is you know, I want to raise good kids, right? What do they say to raise good kids? They have to have some failure. And so, as I'm reading these books, I'm like, You idiot, you've been doing, fighting this for 20 years. Like, what? Why didn't you learn to embrace it to begin with, right? So, you know, I I was fortunate to grab some books that talked about it with my kids. And then as I'm like, well, shoot, if they got to learn it, I might as well learn it because I can't teach it if I don't know it. Um, So, you know, raising kids was really a spark in self-reflection about becoming better with who I am and accepting that I won't be perfect, right? Because that's what you're taught to do is you're going to be perfect. You're going to go to college. You're going to do all these great things. But what people tend to not... uh, express to you is that when you go to college, you're going to have some failure. It's just part of the process. That's the learning process. It's the development process. You know. And I learned that if you're not failing, you're not being challenged, right? And so, you know, I'm like, again, back to my parenting, like, I'm freaking out, trying to be the perfect parent, and I'm realizing there's going to be mistakes. It's okay. And And so as I'm doing that as a parent, I'm like, okay, well, let me go to work, and if I have some failures there, it'll be okay, right? I won't... And then I realized, wow, I'm at work. I don't have to stress about being perfect at work. Um, people are okay if I make a mistake. Whew. Okay, now I'm, now I'm a little less stressed. I'm like, okay. Because, you know, I even went to work with the mindset I've got to produce, 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 produce. But really I was wrecking myself in the process because I wasn't allowing myself to grow. Does that make sense there? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And, so again, go ahead. No, yeah, I mean you'd brought up your you know, parenting and I think that's been that's been a huge topic both here and, and you know a few years ago when we chatted and what are some of the, the sentiments that you echo to Kyle and Ryan? I mean, they are, you know, I'm sure a lot a lot of lessons and um, you know, a lot on the the, the athletic side, but it seems like you've done a lot of the, the parenting work, like you have it's something you pride yourself on um, or at least pride yourself on, on trying to do the right thing. What are some of the things that that if I were to talk to Kyle and Ryan and I you know, kind of sat them in a room alone and I asked them, hey, what are some of the things that that your dad that Stan has echoed to you over the years? What are some of the things that that stand out? What what do you think that they would would come back with?
1: wow, (laughs) my kids are unpredictable. I think that's how I raise them. Uh, I I, 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 uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I think they know, I think they would say when I do put my head to something, I'm going to do it, right? Um, And I'm not afraid to take on challenges. Um, I think they would say that You know, those are great questions. I guess I never thought about it that way. Probably, you know, I I do have expectations, and the expectations are probably a little different than what people would normally think of. Um, My expectations um, were that you give 100% effort no matter what it is. Like, I I don't, you know, you're not gonna be perfect. I'm not saying you have to be number one, but you have to give your all, right? if you're invested into something if you're going to commit to a team or a school class or 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 something you give it your 100% <clears throat> if it's if it's at the bottom of the class it's at the bottom of the class if it's at the top of the class it's at the top of the class but effort is absolutely huge um and and I actually that's the thing you know with this with the wrestling when when I took over people like what what's one of your big things i'm like just give me effort. Give me effort. I can't, you know, nobody can dictate, you know, you can have all the experience in the world, but if you don't have effort, you're you're not gonna get any better. Um uh, I can't help you get better if you don't have effort and interest in getting better, right? That's that, you know, um yeah. You know, and so, you know, like this the girls team stuff or the boys you know, boys come in and for the most part are like they're there because they're on a mission, they've been raised, that's that's what they've been doing. You know, they, they want to be part of the the big leagues. But when we started this girls' program, the girls were like, well, we don't know what to do. We can't wrestle like those guys. And I'm like, I don't care about anything other than effort. Just show up. I, I don't care if you can't even tie your shoes. By the end of the season, we'll make sure you tie your shoes. Right? If effort stays with us, then effort will grow with us. And so... Um, that was really my theme last year with the girls, and um, and it carried over with the boys because we have some kids that show up and they want to wrestle, they may not be the greatest athlete in the world. Um, we don't cut kids; we take everybody. Um, some of my biggest successes are the kids that couldn't tie their shoes as freshmen, and then all of a sudden as seniors, they're in this, you know, they're just monsters. Um, and and because we gave them that opportunity, they're. They're proud of that, right? And, and they're, they're some of our strongest alumni are people who may not have been the greatest athletes. and they were guys that were on the team and they were all about team and part of it, but they keep coming back. And, and I think, you, know, as we mentioned earlier, you know this whole support network where, where I help kids, right? I help kids and I didn't realize I helped kids. I challenged kids and didn't realize you know, how much that meant to them. And so I'd I learned a lot in that last couple of years taking over the program of those guys coming back and going, you know, I want, they were telling me they want to give back what I gave to them. Um, and so, you know, because I'm like, mm, what did I give you, right? I don't, you know, what was it that impacted you? <laughs> so they would share, you know, and, and so it was really enlightening on that end of it. Um, you know, I think I went off track a little bit.
0: <laughs> no, no, you're good. That that was great. And, and I, think, uh, I think you'd be surprised at what, you know, your sons kind of bring back, if I were to ask them, you know, I think yeah. it just the, the, again, again, the qualities, the, um, you know, the way you speak, the way you story tell. I think they've, they've latched onto that, you know, talking to them, interviewing them as well. I, I, I definitely see the resemblance and it's not a, you know, especially in the personality side. So at least from yeah. my seat, kudos to you because they seem like two awesome human beings.
1: You know, I, 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 I... I, you know, people ask me what are some of the the, the biggest accomplishments in my life, and honestly, um, I, I, you know, I had a goal in life. I again, when you research what you want out of kids, what do you want them to be? You know, you want them to be the best, but in the end, I had three things that I narrowed it down to. Number one, I want them to be happy. Number two, I want them to be productive, and and number three, just positive people. Really, honestly, positive people to be around. Um, are healthy too, as that's the other one. Those, those four. But the, you know, if they're doing that, I, you know, I told my kids, like, you know, college was always, oh, I don't know if I can go to college. I'm like, look, I didn't think I could go to college and I did it, right? Um, why do I go to college? Well, I want you to know that you can do things, but I also, nobody can take that certificate away from you ever. Once you get it, it's yours. It's like, it's branded on you, it's a tattoo. Nobody can take that away from you. You proved yourself. Um, but in that sense, I also told them, once you're done with school, if you want to go live in the mountains, away from the world, go for it. Like, there's no rules after you graduate. Like, there's no rules even getting through school. It's just achieve a certificate, something that's proven that your brain has the ability to do something well. And, and I, I share that even with my wrestlers, and the, the, I'm like... You know, nobody has not everybody has to go to college. Go to trade school, get a certificate, get something that shows that you can use your brain. If you can multitask, go to school, be eligible, and do a sport in high school. I really believe you, you're 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 going to do extremely well somewhere. Um, it's just that you also have to have the self-esteem and the expectation to push yourself. Right? If I don't have that self-drive, that effort. Then, I, I I will be stuck the same place ever. So I, I really push that on the boys. You know, effort's huge. You know, being respectful to people. I mean, that's you know kind of goes with the course. But listening, I, I they'll probably say that I I tend to listen more than I do speak outside of these kind of opportunities right here, right? Um, I think that's probably why when I talk, I talk, and when I don't, I don't. Um, um, so I you know I, I like sharing my experiences. Rocky always talks about. You know the fun is in the memories. That's his famous quote. That's 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 his. You know uh, nobody. Um, you know I think half our community tried to get tattoos. The fun is in the memory when it when he passed. Um, but it's true. I mean you know our stories that we talk about our our experiences, right? You 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 get together with with the guys you played baseball with. There's memories there, right? You you know. Do you remember that terrible trip? Do you remember? You know I remember being on the CME wrestling team and driving. You know, seven hours to a tournament in a suburban, sub-zero, no heater, wrapped up, freezing, starving because I got to make weight. Um, You know, and I remember that in high school, riding in the back of a truck with a cab with a hole and a, like a little heater. That if you sat in the front, you were going to lose twenty pounds. If you sat in the back, you just froze. But you know, those are life experiences that we had, and, and uh, I, you know, I I never trade those things for the life of me. And I, so. You know, I empowered the boys to think about things like that and when they were tough when it was tough for them and they were second guessing things we we just processed um you know why are we doing this it's it's, it's life it's having fun so,
0: you started to spark a ton of wrestling memories from my high school days <laughs> and yeah i mean just the bus rides the the dodgeball after meets and stuff like that once we had all of our energy back after meets and tournaments we would we would play dodgeball yeah. and you know, those are the, yep. you know, I play men's league baseball. I actually have a game tonight. I, I play men's league baseball with uh, some of my high school teammates. And, I mean, we're talking about high, our high school trips and, and all that stuff all the time because, you know, you don't realize how valuable those things are, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus years down the road. So, you know you started yeah. to to jog the memory a bit <laughs>
1: yeah i mean you know as, you know you get thinking about like i remember in middle school i was a knucklehead i wore this big bright hot pink tiger striped bandana i thought i was i was the bomb and then all my buddies all grabbed him so now we're looking like a bunch of goofballs right um but you know that that's part of growing up and and having fun um so and that's why i encourage my kids to be in sports or activities because you, you you have those close moments with people, and, and it wasn't necessarily just sports. You know, it was, you know, my kids were involved in. I tried to get them involved in Destination Imagination, all these. You know, whatever they could do. I never put a restriction on it. I just said you have to be involved in something, and give it your all. When it's all over with, if it didn't work out well, you don't like it, you don't have to go back to it, but finish out what you started. So,
0: yeah. I have a, a few more for you, and you'd kind of touched on some of these some of these points but yeah you know, we've talked about your sons and you know the messages that you portrayed there do you have a message that if you could communicate to the world what would it be is there something that every day you kind of lean on um maybe a, a message a theme that you really stand behind that you you want to you want to put out there that when it's all said and done you can look back and you can say okay like I got my message out I, I got my theme, my my motto, my mo, my slogan, whatever it is. Is there something that you you wish again when it's all said and done that that if that you'd gotten that out and that you'd portrayed that kind of every day, every practice, or maybe it has nothing to do with athletics.
1: Um, I, I think for me, uh, one of the things, and this is why I enjoy being on these things, is. I, for coaching for years, uh, I was, you know, I, I studied raising kids, right? I studied that. I also had the privilege as being an assistant coach, watching families come through, and seeing how they're raising their kids. Like, what were their expectations? You know, I studied people, right? I, I said I like to watch and learn. So I'm watching all of these parents come through, these kids come through these program, and I'm watching them from when they're little to middle school and to high school, and I'm seeing. Like, okay, how are these people being so successful with these kids, but why are these kids struggling so much? And I think the biggest thing that I try to tell people, I told all my friends, and it was always a hot debate, is allow, you know, you have to look at the phase of life where your kids are at. There's different stages. And I think, you know, we don't allow our kids to be independent or so worried about them failing that we don't allow them to fail, to feel that uncomfortableness, to, to, to go, it's okay to fail as long as I adjust moving forward, right? Um, I, I, I have lots of great friends who have great kids, but I also watch them go through some very difficult times um, uh, where I allowed my kids to fail early on, but when these kids, my buddies didn't, and then when their kids did fail, it was it was major like you know now we're, we're talking you know uh, kind of where I was at in college like I talked about major like I was depressed I wasn't happy I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to handle it and it wasn't that I was successful I just didn't understand that failure was part of the process and I think raising kids people it's it's easy to give your kids the answers it's very easy you know and and I think going back to when we talked about being that quick-minded person, I had to step back, be patient and and I learned this from a gentleman uh Hendricks. Um was a gold level USA wrestling coach. Um when I went my certification, you know, I a very nice man out of Louisiana. I think it was Louisiana. Um but he was a doctor um and and we sat and chatted cuz it was advanced coaching stuff and he's like I'm like, how do you how do you work with these brains, right? That's his deal. It was, it was all mindset and different things. He goes, I have to listen to what they tell me. I can't walk in and go, I have the answers. I have to walk in and go, where are you at? What are you thinking about? Um, and tell me why you did what you did or why you're thinking this way because without me hearing what they're saying, I'm just assuming that they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and... Kind of like where I was at when I was a kid, like I had people telling me, but my brain was not on that wavelength. And I got chunks of it, but I always was like, I don't believe that, right? I don't believe that piece there, that's a little too far out there. So I was only receiving what I chose to receive. So when you're working with your kids, hear what they have to say first. I think so many times a kid makes a mistake and parents get pissed and yeah, it's never great when your kid makes a mistake and especially if it impacts other people or or them for grades or whatever, but you have to hear why your kids made those decisions, right? Um, maybe they didn't even know they were doing something wrong, right? And as a parent, you learn when your kid's lying to you. You know when somebody's telling you the truth you 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 get that figured out, right? You know your kids, right? And you and you want to fire back. You go, I know you're lying to me, right? I, and I you know. know
0: because you've probably done the same thing, right? Like you it, were a kid once too.
1: Exactly, you know. But I again, it comes back to that humble piece. I I you know I remember my kids doing something wrong, and 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 they're bawling before I even talk to them. I'm like, why are you crying? They're like, you're so mad at us. Like you're so mad at me. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm 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 fuming, right? I'm fuming, but I also had to hear why they did what they did, right? So, you know, my one son, and, and um, very you know, great kid, um, he was in in middle school, and I get a call from the school, and they're like, you know, you got to call him. Your son just punched a girl in the nose and gave her a terrible bloody nose. I went, I'm like, my kid did that? And they're like, yeah. You need to come. So I go. I show up at the school and the whole time I'm like, oh, I can't believe, you know, that's been like, you never you never, never hit a girl, like, you know never, you know, how dare you, you know, I've I, I got all these things going through my head as a parent, like, I, I'm like, this is gonna get nuts. Like, I hope I don't do anything stupid in this meeting because I'm so mad at my son. So I go to the school, I meet with the principal and he's like, I know you're mad, I know you're mad. I'm like, well, wouldn't you be? Yes, 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 yes. He, and so as we work through the situation, what we found out, my son was very clear. He's like, this girl kept cutting in front of everybody and pushing people out of the way when they were in line. And she goes, he goes, I asked the teacher to address this. I told the girl and address this. I talked to everybody. And finally, she pushed me. And so I hit her. And, and so as we work through this, we find out that, yes, the teacher's like, yes, he did tell me, yes, I should have addressed it. Da, da, da. So I'm not happy that my son punched somebody, but I am understanding why he did it, and so we process that piece, and 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 you know, so it it, it that's where my aversion, my humbleness comes. Like, okay, I gotta control myself before I do something that's irrational, right? Because I could have easily went in there and, and said, kick him out. I'm not gonna hear what he has to say. Da da, da, da. I'm really mad. Da da da. Expectation. This is not what my family expects. This is insulting. Da da da. da but you have to hear what they're doing because typically most kids make choices either they don't know or that's how they've been taught. Um, and, and that happened to be a dynamic. And so, you know, as a parent, you, those, that's where I've learned a lot of it. And it transfers over to coaching, right? Same thing, you work with an athlete, you know, you come to me and say, I'm gonna wrestle and I'm gonna like, oh my God, you've never wrestled before and you're like, right? And, but I'm gonna look at you where you're at. I'm, you're gonna do some things, I'm gonna ask you why. I, I always I tell people all the time I ask the why question, and they always the first thing who people who don't know me the first thing they think I'm asking why, is so I can find a problem, so I can find that they're a fault that they they they've done something stupid and da-da. It's not I ask why because Easy Hendrix taught me, if you ask why, you understand what they did and why they did it. If you just criticize them, you you, you just they're gonna shut up. They're not gonna talk to you. Um, and so you want them to grow, right? You want your kids to grow. You want your athletes to grow. You want your assistant coaches to grow, you know Look for answers um, Even though in my head, I'm like that was just the dumbest decision ever and why would you ever do that? I never thought you would do that. You still have to hear what they have to say and There's still accountability. I have accountability. Yeah, I, but I want to hear what's going on, right? Um, that helps make your decisions on accountability Um fair, uh, decisions for accountability, meaningful, um, you know, if somebody's doing something and they don't realize it's illegal or wrong, then how can you, you know, that doesn't, you're not gonna do, you, want, you don't want them to do it again, right? So then you teach them, you know, um, you know, I I guess I got taught a lot that I couldn't punch people in the middle of wrestling mat when I was little. Like, I just, you know, I got mad. and got up, started swinging, and then so people taught me, like, "Hey, you can't do that," and I'm like, and "They're like, why'd you do it?" Well, I didn't like what he was doing, so there's your process. So, you know, I think that's with the kids; it's the same thing. My kids are the, on the same boat. I, you know, I, I've always expected them to have an answer, and it's not the answer that I want to hear. I'll tell them that. Don't tell me what I what you think I want to hear. Just tell me the truth, and then we move forward.
0: Yeah, I think that's. So. I think that's. Uh there's a middle ground there too, between your words versus my experience. I almost have to have something I'm doing fail me before I listen to you. Like I can hear you and I can trust you and I can know what you're saying is the truth, but I had to do it first. I had to fail first. I had to get in trouble first. And that that's the difficult part, right? With growing up and, you know, I mean, it never ends. I mean, we, constantly have to fail before we actually learn and we we, we know it and, and then we'll often go back Oh, stan was right yeah i should have i should have listened but i had to have it fail me first before i yep. listened
1: yep i can go through the list rocky Shaft, larry powell gary smith all these people i talked about earlier in the interview are the ones that were my bumpers right they, i heard what they said but i didn't hear what they said i had to be pro prove myself um and and I'm really the thing that I learned was I proved that I need to trust those people. <laughs> you know? I fought it, fought it, fought it, and then you again back to raising kids, you learn that you have to trust the people around you. And I didn't have that. That that I one hundred percent didn't have trust with nobody. But I learned that. So
0: and it goes back I, to the stove the stove analogy, right? Like I had yes. to touch the stove just to see if it's actually hot or when the waiter brings your waiter or waitress brings your plate and they say it's hot, you, you have to just make sure that it's actually hot, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
1: I, I share a story with my staff when I do a training. We have a, a training, and I, I try to share this with the coaches as well. I said, you know, when you know, like my grandma had a uh, was big in the canning tomatoes and different things, so she had this pressure cooker. Um, most people nowadays probably don't know what a pressure cooker is, right? Um, but the, I guess I'm told it's an Instapot. It's the old Instapot. But anyway, with the pressure cooker, she put it on the stove, you had all your glass jars in there and the tomatoes or whatever, and then it sealed up and then it had a little whistle at the top, right? And and I remember my grandma looking at me and going, Do not touch that stove. Well, first of all, I was in that stage of well I you gotta have I gotta know why now. Um, but you know, this thing starts screaming, you know, the the that pressure cooker gets going, you know, it's whistling And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Let me see if I can get it louder. So I turn up the heat, and I turn up the heat more, and then finally it just explodes. Tomatoes all over the place. I mean, I don't know how I didn't get hurt because, you know, those things are just glass everywhere. Tomatoes on the ceiling, tomatoes all over. And it was a matter of me not hearing, leave it alone, right? Trusting, like, the people around me is saying, do not do that. I had to put more fire into the fuel to see where that explosion point was. So, yeah.
0: Stan, this this has been awesome. I think uh, there's definitely <laughs> a lot more, a, a lot of, a lot more I wanted to get to, but then we just kind of start going on these these life lessons, and I, I'm trying to exactly. pick apart. You know, selfishly, I, I'm trying to keep it yeah. going so I can pick apart all the knowledge. Absolutely. Um, but I do have a, a new closing tradition on the on the podcast, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to launch it here with, with you today. So, Uh-oh. Um, okay, not not completely done with it yet, but we're gonna test it out. So my goal is to write a hundred a hundred questions, um, and then have my guests pick a number randomly, one through one hundred, and I'll oh, ask sweet. them the question. Cool. I like um, that. I'm through uh, question number fifteen. So. I'm going to have you pick a number 1 through 15, and I'll, I'll ask you a question that corresponds with that number.
1: Uh, let's go with 8. 8? Hey.
0: All right.
1: I like this. This is a great idea. Can I steal it from you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. okay. Are you encouraged or discouraged about where, the soci- where society is now and its direction and why?
1: Um, dang you weren't kidding these are good questions uh, I, I, I think I, I will say as I, I think we have had I think COVID rewired us in a lot of ways it, it, it kind of shook up our norm of gotta have gotta have gotta have um, and and I think COVID helped a lot of people step back and go, we really didn't need that. We really don't know that, right? Um, we don't have to have the best of everything all the time. Our society's been pushed to, you know, be best. And I think COVID slowed us down, stripped us of a lot of stuff that we were so, you know, going to a football game, going to a basketball game, got to get to the baseball games, you got to get got get to the major social events, you got to get all over to the picnic, you got to go... And I think I'm encouraged because I think what I also did was it, it took a lot of people and they learned to think independently. It really forced people to be to make decisions, moral decisions, not just go along with the crowd. Um, I think we were in a society where we were just like, okay, well, this is normal, right? Everybody buys a BMW. This is normal, and 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 uh, you know, if the neighbors had it, I had to get it, kind of thing. Um, but I think I think now people were like, you know we had what two years of that, and depending on where you lived, it may have even been more than that. But you, you know at one point here in Michigan we were pretty much at one point um, I, you know just for me to go to work because we were mandated report mandated people who had to be to work. I had to have an ID card saying I had authorization to drive to work in case I got pulled over. Um, so we were pretty much on lockdown. Um, so it forced all of us to go inward and and spend time with our families um, slowed us down um, slowed us and made us think of things that we probably wouldn't normally thought of I mean I, I you know you couldn't buy a canoe anywhere in Michigan because you know was the, the only thing you could do or anything that was outdoors I, I just think we I, I'm excited I, I see you know I know we go through you go to the news and you hear all this bad stuff but I also hear the bad stuff and the fact that because people are speaking out right? People are speaking out. used to be, I mean, I, I, let's be real. I mean, I, I, I share this with, and I share this in a wholeheartedly sense, not that I'm trying to be mean or anything, but I'm a white male with no neck, no nose, bald head. And so, and I work in it, in the industry of juvenile justice. And so, you know, when it comes to social justice, I'm a target, like, right? I mean, if, if I have, I have one mistake or I have one accident or, you know, uh, then I'm, I'm, the, I'm the police officer, right? They look at me and they take a picture of my face and they take a picture of this kid. I fit that mold. And I think what, what has happened is, is I, I think we're starting to hear from people who would normally just be quiet, right? You know, we would just go about our day and go, okay, those people over there, are just, they're just they're just yelling, they're mad. I understand their values and I get it, but they just keep, they're, they're on the direction and I'm on my path. I think what it did was it it slowed everybody down and it really forced some of us to to speak out and become more involved, right? The election process, you know, biggest turnouts we've ever had um, in years, Um, I I think it really helped people become more independent and go back to some core values. Um, I've seen that, you know, I feel like people are not just trying to run around and be in the fashion show, you know. It's like I'm picking who I go out and hang out with now, not just going. Well, there's a big crowd over there. I'm going to go be part of it. So, um, you know, I, I'm optimistic. I, you know, and it's the same thing with sports. I think sports world got got a reality check. All the money that was coming in and all these parents that were dumping money into sports all of a sudden stopped. Um, and and you know, all those private clubs. And I'm nothing against private club coaches. I absolutely none. But I watch parents dump dumped their life savings into these programs when really it was just all about kids having fun and they could do the same thing in their backyard um and uh i think there's a lot of opportunities there i think it just kind of put our world in check and and um, i'm excited to see what comes out in the future
0: stan thank you so much this is this has been awesome uh every conversation we have i think we you know i i learned more about you and and this is exactly why i wanted to do this and back dating back into a february with this just this whole general idea of this i can see i can see stan in practice i can see him coaching matt side but i don't get the full spectrum i don't get the full idea of who stan granger is unless i sit down and have a conversation face to face or you know face to screen with you uh, as we're currently sitting but um that's that's why i wanted to do this i wanted to, to learn more about my guests i wanted to learn more about the athletes the coaches the the trainers, the the support staff, um, because I think, like I said, we, we can see any coach, you know, any coach, athlete on the field or on the court and still not completely understand what drives them, what motivates them, what they think away from the mat, away from the field, away from the court. And, um, you know, we, we just get to learn more about who a person really is, and that's, that's what I want to do more of, sh- shine some light on the individual. So thank you so much.
1: And I appreciate it because, you know, know, again, I'm not one to brag about what I've done or done things, but, you know, people don't hear that side of coaches, right? I have a lot of friends who are coaches, and they're great people, but they're like any other athlete. When they go to practice, they're focused, um, and they're making decisions, but you don't know that's the same guy going camping in the summertime. You don't know that's the same guy who's adopted five kids who cares about kids, and you don't know that's the same guy who... Who was in the world Olympics, right? And everything the Olympics. He doesn't say that unless somebody, like, I, I guess I, you know, when you talked about this, I, one of the guys that came to my mind was uh, Don Beam. Don Beam's been a fixture in our community. He's a wrestling coach out in East Lansing, been around forever. I've known Don. Um, my sons got a chance to meet Don, and, you know, they were like, oh, Don's cool. Da, da, da. Well, what they didn't realize with Don was in the Olympics, he was a silver medalist in wrestling, um, wrestled for Michigan State, did a phenomenal job. And so, I took him to the world team trials one time and my son Kyle was like, Dad, look at all these guys. What are they all here for? I'm like, well, he was in the Olympics, he was in the Olympics, they're coaches at the national level. So those stories don't get shared, right? You don't you don't get to see you know, I think that's what excited me when you were talking about this, is sharing how people progress through society and learn from other people
0: thank you so much i i know i I hope this isn't the last time we i know and i know and I hope this isn't the last time we, we kind of hook up and get together and and talk through some things so um yeah, anytime. you know I know you've welcomed me with open arms multiple times now, so um you know thank you and I'm looking forward to uh speaking again
1: i I appreciate your time and I do appreciate your energy with this stuff um it's it's not easy to get up and running and it's it's not easy for people to hear. Um, but I think COVID slowed people down to listen to these things, so.